Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Julius Bear's Moving Markets podcast. It's Monday, 22nd of January, and my name is Mike Rauber. I'll be talking this morning about all the latest market news with Bernadette Anderko. And then I'll be speaking to Menzo Pacinci, our head of technical analysis, getting his thoughts on US and European equity markets and the US dollar. We will close the call with Richard Tang, head of research Hong Kong. He will give his take on Chinese equities given the poor performance so far this year. But first up is Bernadette. Good morning. Good morning, Mike. So we're starting a new week, obviously, but perhaps you could just give us quickly or remind our listeners how markets fared on Friday. Yeah, sure, Mike. Um, European shares uh, closed the week lower. Um, investors were adjusting their expectations around the major central banks reducing borrowing costs this year. And obviously, the focus is now squarely on the European Central Bank's next policy meeting. Um, a reminder, we'll get the decision there on Thursday. Uh, the Pan-European Stock 600 index closed uh, 0.3% lower on Friday after rising as much as uh, half a percent during the day's session. The index itself fell 1.6% over the course of the week after hawkish comments from ECB policymakers. Um, The US was a different story, though, Mike. Treasury prices edged higher. Benchmark 10-year yields dropped a basis point. And this followed a Fed-friendly survey from the University of Michigan that showed a high mix of uh, consumer confidence and lower inflation expectations. Closes in the US, the S&P 500 closed up. 1.2%. 1.2%. Nine of the 11 sectors were positive. The two negative sectors uh, were utilities and consumer staples. The outperformers were tech up 2.3%, uh, followed by financials and telecoms, both up 1.6% on the day. And uh, the S&P closed at 4,839 spot 81. That marked a new all-time high. And there was also a fresh record intraday high. The Dow Jones closed up 1.1% and the Nasdaq 100 up 2%. Okay, and what about Asia markets this morning? I see some sharp moves there. Yeah, I guess uh, I should start with the Bank of Japan. That starts its two-day meeting today, and it's um, overwhelmingly forecast to leave its settings unchanged tomorrow when it uh, announces the results of the gathering. Uh, The Nikkei 225 is up 1.62% today, seeing also a new market high. Um, Chinese stocks in Hong Kong, however, have slumped towards their lowest level in almost two decades. Uh, There seems to be an absence of fresh economic stimulus and a lack of market support, but um, I'll let Richard talk more about that. Uh, The Hang Seng China Enterprises Index fell as much as 2.6% this morning, edging closer to a level unseen since 2005. And some of the Chinese big tech names, by which I mean Metuan and uh, Tencent Holdings, are among the biggest drags uh, today. We've also had the news this morning that Chinese commercial lenders are keeping their benchmark lending rates unchanged, which follows the central bank's recent decision to maintain borrowing costs. But that might disappoint investors hoping for some more aggressive stimulus. Um, The mood was also delicate in mainland Chinese market this morning. The benchmark CSI 300 index dropped as much as 0.9%, poised for a second straight session of losses. Any news over the weekend to report on? The big U.S. department store Macy's has rejected a takeover. It said yesterday that it wasn't interested in a bid from Arc House Management and Brigade Capital Management to take it over. And it said that the offer lacked compelling value. Um, For our listeners, the investors made a 5.8 billion U.S. dollar, that's $21 a share, offer for the company last month. Um, And Arc House had said earlier yesterday that it was threatening to take the offer to shareholders if the department store didn't step up on negotiations. 
Um, and in politics, um, a big shock for me at least, uh, Ron DeSantis dropped out of the US presidential race to endorse the Republican frontrunner Donald Trump. That's ahead of the New Hampshire primary, which happens tomorrow. Uh, I guess all eyes now will be on how well Nikki Haley can do there. And now turning to this week, do we have any big data coming out? I can imagine we'll also have plenty of uh, companies releasing their earnings. What did you yeah, see? We, yeah, we do. Um, earnings are continuing. We've got Netflix, Tesla and LVMH amongst uh, the big companies that are reporting this week. But we've also got a lot of data. Um, you know, I should point out markets have become less convinced the Federal Reserve is ready to cut interest rates. And that's an issue that's clearly impacting where the economy and stocks are heading. And investors get their first look at the big picture of Q4 economic growth for 2023 when the Commerce Department uh, will release its initial gross domestic product estimate. That comes on Thursday. And then on Friday, the Commerce Department will release the December reading on the Personal Consumption Expenditures Index. That's a favourite Fed inflation gauge. Uh, the consensus expectation for core PCE prices that excludes volatile food and energy components is 0.2% growth for the month and 3% for the full year. So um, a lot of eyes will be on that number on Friday. Investors also need to watch out for central bank meetings in Canada and Europe, um, along with the South Korean output data and European initial readings for purchasing manager surveys in 2024. So a very busy week, it seems. So with all that going on, how are we expecting markets to open today? Uh, Europe looks to be a pretty mixed bag, but uh, US futures are pointing to a positive open. So let's hope that's the case. That's it from me, Mike. I wish you a good week. Great. Thanks a lot, Bernadette, for the great roundup to start the week. Now, Mensu, good morning to you, for, firstly. Good morning, Mike. The S&P 500, as Bernadette said, uh, it reached an all-time high last week. And you recently mentioned that your bullish view on U.S. equities is also supported by their relative performance to gold. Can you give us some more background? Yes. Uh, so uh, whenever I'm in doubt or whenever we are in doubt, we ask gold. And the reason for this is that gold is the complete opposite of equities. So basically, when equities are in a bull market, you want them to outperform safe haven assets. So that will indicate to investors that equities are the first choice for investors. So when we look at the ratio of the S&P fund to gold, we can see that the new highs are confirmed. So this means the S&P is not only rising in nominal terms, but as well against safe haven assets, indicating broad-based demand for U.S. equities. And turning closer to home, specifically European equity markets, they just don't seem to be getting ahead of their U.S. counterparts. What is your view and do you see any industries or sectors in Europe with positive price action worth following? Maybe we have a step back to the U.S. markets so or the U.S. markets closed at new all-time highs and uh, new two-year highs. Um, and when we look historically, basically the results are quite encouraging. So on average, the S&P 500 gained in the following 12 months by 17%. Coming back to your question about European equities, yes, European equities is a bit of a mixed bag. Um, nevertheless, the indices are in a clear uptrend. They just have been in a consolidation since mid-December, where the dollar basically has seen a minor uh, fall since then, and the local currency has seen an advance. Nevertheless, uh, European equities should remain in their uptrend. Nevertheless, uh, they continue, of course, to underperform U.S. counterparts. Within the individual stocks, uh, we find interesting names in the healthcare space and uh, some selective uh, stocks in the industrial space. Nevertheless, um, it is a stock picker market. 
what continues to be uh, weak are the defensive uh, sectors. And recently, what we have seen as well is that the consumer discretionary or consumer cyclical stocks, um, they have been uh, quite weak uh, in their relative performance. And turning to currencies, uh, the US dollar index earlier this month formed a so-called death cross, which is a long-term sell signal that occurs when the 50-day moving average falls below the 200-day moving average. And in recent days, the US dollar index has also fallen just below the 200-day moving average. What do you think is in store for the US dollar, given this technical backdrop, or at least these indicators? Uh, there are two uh, implications. First of all, for the dollar, we would expect some slight uh, deteriorations or declines from current levels, uh, but not a severe bear market because the very, very long-term uptrend or pattern still remains quite stable. Uh, the implication is quite interesting for cross assets. What does it mean? Basically, a declining US dollar indicates, um, indicates declining uh, global risks in the case that there is less demand for US dollar. And the demand for US dollar basically goes higher when the uh, world economy or is in uh, is, is in risk or if there is a short term uh, short term spike in risk somewhere so historically a declining us dollar has led to outperformance of equities and within the asset classes uh, of course the the best improvement has been historically in local emerging market bonds interesting and uh, great thanks uh, very much mentor Good to get your latest thoughts, as always, on Monday. Thank you, Mike. And now, Richard, uh, you're joining us from Asia. So, good afternoon. Morning, Mike. So, we've seen a sharp drop in Chinese equities in the first days uh, of this year. Um, so, what do you think were the triggers and how do these latest developments affect your outlook for China's markets? Yeah, that indeed uh, disappoints us and um, uh, basically we're going much worse than what we initially expected. Um, but I guess in terms of the triggers, uh, I think first um, the market was a little bit concerned about the so-called triple dip in the Chinese economy um, because the PMI and also CPI numbers were not great. Uh, first dip, uh, obviously during the Shanghai lockdown, uh, second dip right before the reopening, and then uh, now it looks like we're going through a third dip uh, in the Chinese economy. I think what makes things a little bit worse uh, is that um, after uh, Premier Li Qiang's comments uh, at the Davos, um, basically um, the hope of um, strong stimulus uh, diminishes uh, because of what he said, uh, not to mention the fact that um, the policymakers are disappointed, the market with uh, no rate cut this morning, uh, as well as last week. So it disappointed the market twice. Uh, and then I think a third reason is a bit technical that uh, we heard some redemption pressure from the respective mutual funds. Uh, and also uh, there were quite a number of um, derivative positioning um, that forced uh, into some passive selling as well as uh, hedging activities, um, driving some uh, uh, dumping of positions as well. So that basically exacerbate the downward pressure. Uh, so I guess um, what uh, really shocked us from all the above is that um, it looks like the policymakers have a much lower willingness to ease or to stimulate the economy. Uh, I, I think that basically means that um, the fundamental trough may be a little bit further away from us and, and the, the market trough as well. Uh, so, so for these reasons, uh, we think that um, 
I think right now the market outlook will be fairly dependent on the numbers, uh, macro numbers as well as earnings results. Uh, uh, the visibility is a little bit less, uh, and the strategy that we are uh, suggesting to clients if they have to stay within the Chinese market is to focus on the dividend stocks uh, and also the state-owned enterprises because we think that um, those companies uh, will have uh, more resilient share prices. Maybe just to close off today's show, I understand you were just two weeks ago visiting companies in China and seeing investors there. Uh, anything interesting to share and what's the sentiment onshore? Yeah, um, I was in Shanghai and Beijing uh, two weeks ago um, seeing companies as well as investors. We were seeing a bunch of uh, new energy as well as technology companies. Uh, I think um, particularly for new energy, uh, for example, solar sector, a lot of focus on oversupply because that's still a serious uh, issue uh, in the industry. I think one one thing that does stand out is that um, I think is well recognized that the pie uh, or the market uh, is not expanding much. So uh, in the domestic market, it's really about uh, gaining market share at the expense of others. So we expect um, there will be heightened competition this year um, in, in those sectors. Uh, and, and also, uh, people are trying to boost growth with the export market. But um, I personally, um, I'm personally quite skeptical because of uh, all these trade barriers are being put in place right now. Um, I think for technology uh, companies, uh, we most focus on the chip supply and uh, whether they have any contingency plan uh, on the restrictions. Uh, but it does look like that um, other than to localize as much as they can. Um, the major bottleneck is still the wafer uh, fabrication of the so-called advanced nooks. And so far, uh, from what the companies told us, it, it looks like uh, there are no clear alternatives. So I think that remains one thing. Um, that's a little bit worrying for the investors uh, in those sectors. Uh, I also managed to speak to some onshore investors. Um, I have to admit that um, even though we know and we uh, expect their uh, view to be bearish, uh, but the bearishness still exceeds uh, my expectation. Uh, I think they are right now very much focused on two things. Um, one, uh, I think they are reducing their hope on uh, domestic policy, uh, as uh, for the reasons that I just mentioned, uh, and then and two, um, uh, they are getting a little bit concerned about uh, whether trade barrier will actually um, uh, increase or, or worsen, uh, depending on the results of the election that who becomes a U.S. president. Uh, so, so those are the uh, things that uh, may be interesting, uh, although not particularly positive to share with our clients. Thank you, Richard, for these comments and observations. Uh, so great to have you on the call and that you were able to join us from Asia today. Thank you. So that is all for today. Thank you again to my guests and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. And do join us again tomorrow when Bernadette will be back as host, talking to more of our colleagues about what is moving markets. Have a great week and bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. 
They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.